Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Friday Flix's Pixar Rewatch. It is Friday. What day? Friday, yo. Oh, Friday. Cool. Love All Friday. my life I've loved Fridays and this is no exception. Thank God for today. All right. Well, we are here to talk about Pixar's 24th. And up until today, their final movie, but there's still one more now we get to add to our rewatch before we wrap up our first season. Um, But yes, today we're talking about Pixar's 24th movie, Luca. Um, But before we get into the movie, now's the best time for you to hit that subscribe button. You gotta know when our next one comes out and you gotta stay tuned because who knows what we're gonna talk about once we're done with Pixar. And write us a review and let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you like about us. Let us know what you don't like about us. How can we improve for you? Um, you can also let us know by following us on Facebook or Instagram at Friday Flicks Podcast. You don't even have to like, you know, make a review or say anything qualitative. You could just say like, hi, as a review. We'd appreciate or that. Or just, just follow us and like, like all of our posts too. That would be cool. Just hit that heart. Every time you see a, a new post picture come out, make a yeah. make us a TikTok. Give us a <laughs> give us one TikTok. <laughs> um, but if you have more to say, send us an email because we do want to hear more about what you think. So send us an email at jkentertainment two four seven at gmail because we're here entertaining twenty twenty four seven. Because <laughs> we are your Friday Flicks podcast. And who else are we, Jimmy? Friends and family watching and talking. That's right. Friends and family watching and talking, sharing our so opinions. Glad I, I'm the one that gets to say that really catchy catchphrase. <laughs> it is catchy because everybody alive understands that, right? Friends and family walk, you know, talking. Yeah. Who better to watch and talk with? Mm-hmm. Who better? Well, let's see which friends and family are here today. Jimmy Anthony is here, as always, and he's going to be our Ercole Visconti. Hey, a sea monster! Uh, don't mess with me, number one. And number two, I've got a little mustache. <laughs> nice. <laughs> good improv, good improv. Yeah. Byron Anthony is also here, and he's going to be Alberto Scorpano. Follow my lead and Silencio Bruno. Good, good. Classic, classic. Can't wait to talk about Bruno. Not very good (laughs) in my opinion, but moving on. Okay. Cynthia (laughs) Anthea. Oh my God. Cynthia Anthony is here. (laughs) And she's going to be Daniela Perguro, aka the mom. When I was a kid, we'd go weeks without seeing a boat. And let me tell you, they did not have motors. Just a sweaty land monster with a paddle. Yep. All right, Jacob Shear is back with us, and he's going to be Massimo Marcovaldo. Don't worry, Tommaso. I have my eyes peeled. They won't get away. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect character for you to be whenever they turn this into a live action. They should Mm -hmm. hire you. Uh, Daniel McCarley is here, and he's going to be the main character, Luca Paguro. I'm not the kind of guy you want for this. I'm more of an idea man. 
<laughs> That's a good quote. That's a good quote. I don't know. It was actually hard to find one. I've never been the protagonist before. Yeah. I've never gotten to be like a main character. All right. Welcome to the club. All right. Ooh. And I'm your host, Kelly Anthony, and I will be Julia Marcovaldo. Thinks he'll be Ercole, this guy. First of all, get in line. Every summer, that jerk makes my life miserable, so no one's taking him down unless it's me. Second, this isn't any old race. It's an epic, grueling, traditional Italian triathlon. Swimming, cycling, and eating pasta. So you'd need a teammate. All right, I love Julia. Yeah, she's got a lot of guts. Yes, yes. Okay, before we get more into the movie, Daniel, take it away with our box office Oscar trivia. Okay, so uh, this movie came out in 2021. It came out this year. And as far as box office, it made a worldwide box office of $49.7 million. Um, Mostly between China, Korea, Hong Kong, a um, couple other markets because it was uh, released only to Disney Plus in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Going to be theatrical, of course, but um, but uh, was released on June 13th. Apparently, according to what Disney has released, it is the number one streamed movie of any original streaming movie in 2021. With uh, what was the what was the stat they said? Uh, 10.6 billion 10.6 billion minutes watched wow if anyone, they don't really it's funny that you say that because i was anyway amorous our friend has a little cousin or i don't know a little person in her life that w- apparently it's loves dom's, watches dom's cousin's kid Sure. Watched the movie like on repeat, uh, basically, apparently, yeah. according to Amara. So that's interesting that that statistic. Kids must love it. Okay. Yeah, that come that comes up. So I mean, we've entered a new a new era of this, where like, what is box office? What is what is a movie success anymore? We don't know. No. Um, yeah. So I normally list the movies, the other movies that came out. The same year. Um, did we all forget what movies came out in 2021? Many of them are still out. Um, like all of the uh, movies. <laughs> uh, well, 21. I mean, that had that was still like Spider Verse, right? And Black Widow, maybe even too. Spider Verse. Yeah. You mean Spider Man No Way Home? Oh. <laughs> yes, that is exactly no what I mean. Spoilers. No. Well, yeah. I mean, I could name all the Marvel movies. Black Widow came out. Um, yeah. Shang Chi, Eternals. I mean, the, those are the ones um, we saw in Cru- theater, so that's why. Cruella, other non-Marvel movies. This is Cruella, not. We, that's also Disney. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Disney's not giving us any money, so we can say non-Disney movies like the dog movie. Or oh yeah, Dune, the French yeah. Dispatch. Yeah, I'm just thinking of all the ones I saw. What's uh, the Netflix guy. dog movie? The Netflix dog movie. The it's not actually about one. a dog. But it's, it's the Cumberbatch. Year, not Year of the Dog. Power of the Dog. Oh, Power, Power of the Dog. Of the dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, think I haven't watched don't, that. Don't look up. But yeah, we're like celebrate. Like the Oscars haven't happened yet for this movie. How funny. Yeah, I just realized is, that now. It's weird. They're already late. They should have happened like last week. But anyway, yeah. So this movie is currently nominated for 
um, for best animated movie. What else is nominated? This is fun. Cause um, what else is nominated? Um, the other nominees are Encanto, Flea, The Mitchells versus the Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. Mm. Mm. Not so out of touch with you know children's films or animated films altogether, other than Pixar. I don't even know what any of those are. You said you saw Encanto. Cynthia. I saw Encanto. Though. That's true. I did see that. Raya and the Last Dragon. <laughs> Didn't like oh, it. Okay. Wow, Kelly. <laughs> Mitchell's versus the machines. I want to watch. I've heard good things about it. It's also yeah. about like a superhero I family. Watched that because it was under good recommendation. Um, Did you like it? I haven't watched it yet, but I want to watch it. It's okay. I'm not going to flee. Uh, part of it, but this mm. this is not a movie about. You know, I feel. Uh, I like it, Kelly. I'll make my prediction right now. I think Encanto is going to win. Oh, it's so winning. Like, I don't think Encanto's it, gonna win. it's not really a contest. Yeah. Encanto's definitely walking away with it. And that's okay. Well, I also felt very meh about Encanto. I didn't think it was bad, but I didn't think it was great either. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> we'll talk about Encanto later for sure, though. That's yeah. We're not done talking about that. Um, anything else, Daniel? Um, that's it. I mean, once the Oscars happen, there'd be more trivia. Yeah. Well, maybe so. by the time we do our next one, the, wait, when are the Oscars? I don't know. When are they? They're like at the end of March, I think. Oh, okay. Hm. You know, it's kind of funny that like Oscar trivia is like a category for this podcast because so many of the Pixar movies are nominated. You know, like if we were to do another category of movies, sure. say... I don't know any of the other things. Indiana Jones movies, <laughs> like I don't know, yeah. we wouldn't be. <laughs> but they might be nominated for like special effects and stuff. Like, uh, that yeah, this, this is a pretty amazing collection of films through right. so many decades. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're lucky that we have that many Oscars to talk about. Yeah. All right, so here's a quick synopsis of Luca, and I'm going to say spoiler alert because this movie is not a year old yet. Wait, when did this come out, Daniel? Last year? June, last June. Oh, June. Okay, so it's not a year old yet, so spoiler alert. Nine months old. But apparently it's the most streamed movie ever, so maybe you guys have all watched it and if you're listening. The most streamed movie ever? That's what Daniel said. No, that's not what I said. I said of 2021. Oh, well... He said the most streamed movie that was an original movie to stream. Yeah, the most, we're the most, only like, yeah, we're straight only to stream. talking about 21. <laughs> okay, anyways. <Yeah. laughs> All right. Fretta, ma dove corri? Dove vai? Se ci ascolti per un momento capirai. Lui è il gatto ed io la volpe. Stiamo in società. Di noi ti puoi fidare. Young Luca and his best friend Alberto summon up the courage to visit the picturesque fishing village of Porto Rosso. However, the boys share and hide a great secret. They are not ordinary children, but harmless sea monsters who live underwater, eager to find out what lies above the sea's surface. Before long, adventure after adventure and experience after experience, the two wide-eyed explorers will discover the true meaning of freedom, the importance of family and the catalytic power of acceptance. I did not write that. 
That's from IMDb. But, you know, there you go. Good little sum up. Doesn't really tell you what's happening in the plot. But now it's for sure spoiler alert because we're about to talk about the whole Did you say the catalytic power of experience? Acceptance. Acceptance. Sorry, I'm just trying to remember what you said. Yeah, I'm like reading this and I'm like, I would never use the word catalytic. 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 Catalytic? Yeah, I said it wrong. Yeah, sorry. Oh, well. There you go. It's about two boys who are sea monsters that want to be in the human world. That's what it's about. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, I was just trying to get it right. That's all. I mean, acceptance versus experience. I feel like either... Catalytic. Wait, how do you say it? Catalytic. Catalytic. Like a catalytic yeah, converter, they always get stolen catalytic? from uh, Prius. It's a catalyst. Catalytic. Okay. Yeah. Catalytic I said converter. It. Whatever. Never would I use that word in real life. Okay. Discussion well, topics. You don't First have a up, as always, I don't have a Prius. Animation style, character design. What did we think? This is the most recent up until today most recent Pixar movie. So what do you guys think of the animation style? I thought it was well. classic Pixar, personally. Um, you know, kind of uh, not not anything uh, particularly different. What's the last one we did when they went to heaven and stuff? What was that movie? Soul? Yes, sir. Okay, so in Soul, there would be these fantastical images and colors blending and so forth. <clears throat> and distinct differences between black and white and color. And this was pretty much, you know, kind of kind of straight on, consistent animation. I'm not saying whether that's good or bad, but um, I didn't think the style was particularly definitive on this movie. <clears throat> um, but, you know, some of the animation blows your mind. The thing that I couldn't believe and I had to rewind and go back and watch it again is when the ocean water comes up onto the shore. So the the way white foam is in water, uh, you know, a wave comes onto the shore and then it stops for a second. Then you see the white bubbles popping and the sand underneath the white as the wave retreats. That was gorgeous. I mean, almost like if someone's never seen a wave before, you should just show them that. (laughs) (laughs) Because it takes the time and, and, you know, you have to remember this is animated. You know, it was just spectacular, that particular moment. But, um, yeah, but the, the cartoony quality of, of the characters and stuff was classic Pixar also. And, uh, but, you know, I thought, well done. I disagree a little bit. I didn't find the animation particularly spectacular in any way outside of like well outside of when they are either on water or in the town square the last sequence of them going down and like the race and all that like that final chase to me is really cinematic and beautiful but for whatever reason i found the animation to be somewhat understated compared to the other movies we've watched i mean to be blunt if you were to compare this animation to cars three I think that Cars 3 is a better example of intricate, dynamic, well-crafted lighting. Mm. I thought that some of this movie came across as, you know, almost untextured in a way. Mm. Um, even their their bodies were just, 
you know, kind of one pattern and like minimal differences, but there wasn't that sense of lushness that even Coco had, like even those feathers and um, I don't know, the candlelight. I found, I, I do find a lot of this movie uh, very beautiful and romantic, but it didn't really push the envelope in a way that I was expecting for Pixar. Mm-hmm. No, this reminded me a lot of like, specifically the way they animated the human faces made me think of like Chicken Run and like Wallace and Gromit. Did anyone see some similarities there? Yeah, like, I it's totally very reminiscent that. of especially especially Alberto's face looked very Wallace and Gromity. Not like the backgrounds or teeth. anything like that. Yeah. The nose and the teeth are all. And the ears. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was it. Some of their hair. Yeah. Not so much that it took me out of it or totally distracted me, but I did like have that thought a few times of Chicken Run. (laughs) Claymation, I thought for sure. Not specifically Chicken Run or whatever that studio is that makes Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run. But yeah. I, I see exactly what you're talking about. I definitely thought claymation. I have. I actually really liked the textures on the clothing and the hair and the skin. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the water monster designs for some reason. They kind of like don't impact me that much. But no, Byron. I mean, it's interesting to hear you say that. I actually, when the when he first emerges out of the out of the water, I mean, it's truly gorgeous. Like he looks at grass rustling and like fucking just uh, a bird or something. I don't even remember the distinct things he looks at, but they're very mundane things animated so beautifully, to, in my opinion. Yeah. I think there is sort of a one-note effect with the movie and the visuals of it. I mean, there are times where, like, everything's going to shit and there's a crazy storm and it's dark and gloomy and scary, but most of the time it's just this perfect summertime you know, color palette and feel and lighting and all of that. And I actually like that and through researching a little bit about the video, it's very, or about the movie, it was very intentional on the creator director's part to have it evoke this idea that like a summer as a state of mind, as as opposed to just a season and sort of trying to represent that on film. And so, uh, yeah, I, I can see some gripes, but no, I, I saw texture that I liked and I saw a lot of like impressive animation as far as natural things. Um, but then it was very cartoony, like you said, mom. But I will also add that I think it was different than a lot of the other Pixar stuff that looks very similar. Like, I don't know, like thinking about like the people in WALL-E or, or even Incredibles, they have like a different look than the, the, these characters. They did look more like like claymation or something that had a almost like a peanuts kind of look to them um anyway that's my opinion on the the look and the animation yeah i'm reading something online that they use something called 2d animation and well uh, that's all I don't, I don't know what that really means compared to any other kind of animation but uh they said somebody here says that you know there's a maintained a, an artisanal aesthetic in the film that was all about quote bold illustrative choices and stylized timing of 2d animation while preserving the richness we've come to expect in a pixar film yeah because i guess most of them use what's called cg animation 
So well, they definitely use CG animation, but they're inspired by 2D animation. I specifically heard the director talk about how he was inspired by Looney Tunes and some of the ways they would depict like speed or things. There's one point where like Luca like hits his head, and there's little like fucking dolphins going around his head. Which is totally a reference to like Looney Tunes, um, but yeah, no, just like the their ears will be down here, just to give the character more of a distinct look or whatever. You know, the the dad character where you can't even see his eyes most of the time. I mean, that's just super stylized, and it does evoke. Like I said, Peanuts, uh, which is like you know two D comic. Well, no, it's a show too, or it was. But I no, did, I, totally, I did. I, I got Peanut that. vibes too, for sure. Actually, I would agree. With, I got Peanut vibes also. I definitely yeah i i think the character's design is solid i think that for what for 2021 i think that this movie looks like it could have been made in 2018 for me in terms mm. of animation quality we don't have to linger on that but i just i, I do want to differentiate between the, the the design of the city and the characters is amazing but i don't think it was as lush as the other films yeah yeah, I, think yeah I didn't know that the right. director said that Jimmy but that kind of makes more sense that the director was going for a, a different like for so long Pixar was like how real can we make things look kind of thing you know and I guess for this one yeah. they were going a little more retro I mean it takes place in like the late 50s early yeah. 60s ish from like it's you based can off of get his that. life more or less yeah I mean his his you know nostalgia and memories and right. it, it, it's yeah, it's not made to be realistic per se, but anyway. Right. I mean, and there's so many him. like fantasy His moments childhood. in this too, you know, more in the beginning of the film, but like Luca has all those like little daydreamy sequences too, mm-hmm. which is very cartoony and very, you know, just, I don't mean this in a bad way, but like childish, whereas so many, you know, the last Pixar movie we watched, mm-hmm. I guess I'll just say this now, Soul, we, we, we talked about how Soul was, basically a movie made for adults that kids would also enjoy watching you know where so many pixar movies are like oh it's made for kids but adults can like it too but like they slowly started going just like this is actually kind of an adult movie but kids could you know enjoy it whereas this one it's almost like totally the opposite side of soul like i feel like this is very much a kids movie compared to a lot of other pixar movies and i maybe that's what they were going for both in the story and just the design. I mean, you mentioned that you didn't really like the sea monsters design that much. I thought it was fine, but again, the sea monsters looked kind of cartoony and like safe for kids to like, you know, they didn't want Mm. them to look scary. Yeah. Um, yeah, That's a good point. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. True. But I agree. I really, really non-threatening as well. Like, right. Exactly. Character in the story. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Yeah, I was gonna say I really liked the animation of the little Ital- Italian town, though. Like, yeah, that's I was just like, oh my god, yeah. I want to be there. I want to yeah. be in that yeah. town square by the ocean eating pasta. <laughs> my god, the pasta! Let me just give that an A plus. Just the pasta. <laughs> oh my god! What is it about we... pasta in movies? Like, there's no other food that just jumps out of the screen at you other <laughs> than pasta. I like, like all kinds of oh, movies. I don't know what it is about it, but totally what are the other movies with pasta? Are you talking about movies in general? Lady and the Tramp. Anime? Well, obviously Lady and the Tramp, but what are the other ones with pasta? Ratatouille. Is there pasta? Well, okay, there's me. definitely pasta and ratatouille. Come on, there's a lot of food in that. The Godfather. I was yep. thinking. I was yep. thinking Goodfellas actually, 
even though that's like, oh, yeah. that's like, there's a violence to the spaghetti sauce and that, but that's another one that's just like, wow, pasta. Wow, pasta. Wow. What do you think the Pixar that's... budget is, the budget line item is for pasta research for Luca. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god did these animators get to go to italy yeah oh there's god. a special on disney plus it's a, it's worth watching but yeah they spent a, a, a i don't know how much time actually but in a town in northern coastal italy which is not oh, really yeah, where the where director is, grew up. go to the italian riviera for research guys <laughs> yeah, you know. we no, gotta but, go I mean, we to go figure out how to they probably you know, just shot this documentary and then just like partied and ate food the rest of the time but in yeah, the documentary sure. it's pretty cool you see them like they're each explaining their like specialty that they're focused on there and like one lady's like going up and touching all the surfaces of everything she's in charge of like the textures of everything and she's like oh look at this plaster like it's nerding out about the type of plaster proven and then um you know other people looking at the lighting other people looking going around and looking at people's faces and drawing their faces and so that it it's actually kind of interesting. I recommend recommend a view. Cool. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about pasta and how it reminded us of, you know, Lady and the Tramp and wow, pasta movies. Um, besides the pasta, did this movie remind you of any other movies for any other reasons? Uh-huh. Very much so. Um, uh, Little Mermaid. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Look at this stuff. Yes, I mean, from the very beginning with things. like the yeah, exactly. Like the items falling uh-huh. in the beginning. It's like, okay. And then wanting to see and wanting to be human, um, you know, and then afraid of water because it would expose that she wasn't a human, turn her back into a mermaid, all those things. Well, yeah, the parents like don't go to the surface. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. The first it's time not I watched a, this, that it's was not like, a romance oh. or is it? No, or, or is it? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's another talking point. We can stay on the Little Mermaid reference for a sec if you want, or we can just jump. Generally, like, I'm trying to think of specific ones, like, Dory? generally, like, romantic movies that take place in Europe and stuff. Oh, oh like, by your name. Yeah, okay. sure. Or Romeo and Call Juliet. Only by your name. That's a good one. Yeah, Although that was, I think, probably... Uh, I didn't see that movie, but but I know about it. And I think it oh, was yeah? a direct... A little less sex in this one, but... It's, <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in terms of atmosphere and the attempt to, you know, be a kid, but also dealing with adult things, those kind of themes are similar. For sure. I feel like we're yeah. missing something, Kelly. What do you... What do you how you got to... No, I mean... The- that's interesting. The call me by your name. I didn't think about that. I, I it actually reminded me a lot of Onward. I think hmm. kind of in the animation and just like, just the general characters of you know, yeah. Luca kind of makes me think of uh, uh, what's the main character's name and um, oh, Ian Owen. What's his name in Onward? Oh, Ian. Ian. Yeah. 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 Luca and Ian are both kind of like awkward and like, oh, I don't know. Uh, so I don't know. Kind of remind me of that. And yeah, and they have like a similar aged person being like, go for it. Do it. Yeah. I let's do it. You. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. You know, and like the classic Pixar story is, you know, a bromance or like a, a what's the word? Like a buddy flick. 
Is that mm-hmm. the right phrase? You know, and like uh, Onward is totally that, like a buddy flick. And this is a buddy flick too. So they're kind of going back to that formula, you know, the Woody and Buzz formula, mm-hmm. if you will. In, um, in the research for the fun fact stuff, a lot of uh, the articles mentioned Stand By Me. Yes, uh, I was um, actually. Yes. No. Okay. Okay. But I don't know that film well enough. It's nostalgic about head. boyhood. Yeah. Right. Or childhood. Why I didn't think of that. Now that you bring it up, I could totally see. But there's I, no yeah, I have, gay I've themes in that one, is there? That's that I noticed. I didn't even notice it in this movie until Me I. Me neither. Read really. It. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I thought know, it was pretty really. prevalent, especially yeah. in the end when, when the parents say to one another not everybody's going to accept him this way, but that's how he is. I really thought that was a, a very inclusive statement. I thought that honestly, like the metaphor of somebody transforming was more of a trans metaphor than it was like a directly homosexual metaphor. But I, 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 I definitely picked up on an undercurrent there. Yeah. So let's talk about that because the very first, first of all, on whatever episode it was that we had, I don't remember what episode of our podcast it was, but it was like Luca was about to come out and we were like, oh, there's a new one going to add to our list. And Jimmy was like, they're gay, right? Like he just said that, like you got that from trailers. And I was like, are they gay? I had like, didn't think about that from the trailers, but then we were watching the movie for the first time. And the whole time I was like, I know, like, not that they were really gay for each other, but like. I don't know. There was some of that with Alberto towards Luca ish. Not really that Luca was doing that towards Alberto. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it was just Alberto was getting jealous of Julia and Luca's friendship that they were starting to have. And so you could just say like, oh, he's just jealous of the friendship because his, you know, we find out his dad left him. So he's just very lonely and wants someone in his life. But I don't know. I think there could be an argument there. Still. I, I think it's kind of sexist to assume that two boys that are this close you know, are gay because if well, there were two girls, no, I don't think people would have assumed it. I, 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 I thought about this too, and I think it's ambiguous on purpose. And like, I, I want to take it like to a different level for one second. But like, if you look at Shakespeare, there are male friendships in in Shakespeare, and especially in Italian culture, that are very, very strong. They're not like here in America. Like, they really love one another. They're willing to die for one another. And that's that's a cultural difference that we have. So it's not necessarily a trans or a gay story. But I do think that the undercurrent is there to be applied to somebody who's going through some sort of transformation. I think it's crafted in a way to be purposefully ambiguous in a very positive way. Yeah, I think you're right. That's what I was going to say, Cynthia. Like, honestly, I think that if this had come out way before this time, I don't know if people would be saying like, are they gay in like a good way? Like, I mean that in a good way, like to be honest, part of me wishes like Pixar had maybe just gone there. Like it's time for them to have that a bit more in their movies. But I agree with Byron that, and I read some stuff online, like some blogs and stuff specifically from like mom, mom blogs about how they were like, like moms with transgender kids that were like, love this movie because of that exact quote byron brought up like uh yeah whatever the the grandma says like you know he'll not everyone's gonna accept him but as long as he finds friends like julia like he'll have a good life basically that's not the exact quote but you know and the fact that they literally transform from monster to human like 
I do think that there's a strong argument there. And that's a very positive thing that they, and I think a kid who is gay or transgender watching this movie, especially a younger kid who maybe feels that way, but doesn't really know what it is yet. Who is however old they are like 10. I don't know. I think that this movie could be very positive for a child who feels that way in a very good way. So I I really appreciate that about this movie. So I wasn't saying like, are they gay in a bad way at all? I mean that in a very positive way. Yeah, I think that any kid that feels sort of ostracized, not quite like the others, you know, feels different and then has just this great friend can relate to the film. So that's kind of all of us. (laughs) Most all of us feel somewhat an outcast or an underdog or, you know, I feel misunderstood. I mean, that's just part of being a kid. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, to my mind, it's so much more of a universal theme than um, to capture it with the quotes or underlining of the word gay. Yeah. yeah. So there's a, a quote by the director saying that he cre- created the storyline as an experience of feeling like an outsider and that regarding the LGBTQ plus stance or slant, it's a wonderful prism for the audience to come in and bring their own experience of feeling other. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's so, so yeah. much better than the way I put it. <laughs> but but it's also like the age, like that's really young to just assume that they're in a romantic yeah, scenario. I, I about, yeah. And it's nothing is sexualized about their relationship. Yeah, no. Nor yeah. with Julia, there's no real romance in the movie. Yeah. And jealousy all. was such a real thing. I, I mean, in my experience with friendships and how you kind of, rotate through best friends and trying to find and then they're finding their own and it's like oh you're gonna go have a a sleepover with them and i don't okay like i don't get to go like those are real like huge feelings at that age i mean those are some of the biggest feelings you can feel at that age Um, especially yeah that age i mean and also particular for that character he was such a rejected being just in his being that he did got rejected again where he thought he wouldn't because he was going to build this unrejectable life with this other kid. And because one feels rejected because they don't feel comfortable where they're from. The other, you know, is alone and doesn't want to be. I don't think it, that that needs to be romanticized or sexualized at all. Yeah. And I think that's purposeful. I think it's all, like you said, it's a prism for the other. Right. I, I just think I, it's yeah. weird that they ran, that people run with that. So forefront like i like you said byron i think that i the gay i don't know the trans makes more sense yeah i mean and that's a super complex topic there's no way you can get really specific without like being a biography about somebody or something right that's that's crazy so yeah yeah i agree with everything you guys have said but i think that you know considering the age we're in with you know i mean i have so many transgender students you guys like to me it's nothing it i mean i don't mean that in a bad way like i'm just so used to it to so for me to see that i'm like oh there it could be that and like because it's part of my brain and i think some people are still like well why does it have to be about that but i i don't mean that in a negative way at all like i just think i don't know I You're not the, the only one. I read. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But um, again, your prism is from a metropolitan area 
where it's that's far true. more accepted than the majority of others get. You know, that's true. Some small town. Well, and I'm also like a we teacher were in, in the story, you know, dealing with children too. Yeah. So I'm, you know, specific, I mean, I don't deal with this younger age group necessarily, but still I'm dealing with kids every day. And, you know, I deal with them dealing with drama friends, <laughs> friends, drama. I have to deal with that on a daily basis too. <laughs> so anyways, um, but it's a way more uh, forefront topic than it was when we were in high school. Say. Totally. No, totally. Which is, yeah, uh, that's what I was know, trying to say. Yeah. It's only 12, 15 years. You know, that's that's a huge shift in the culture. Yeah. Which is, sure. I think, great. Yeah. Sure. I mean, in addition to that, though, like you said, I think the a big theme of this movie is, you know, acceptance of all people, you know, the townspeople at the end, you know, they're revealed we're sea monsters. The townspeople could could decide to try to kill them or accept them. They decide to accept them, you know. Another really interesting thing, too, about acceptance in this, or just, you know, like, don't judge a book by its cover, is the, um, the dad character, Mossimo, Julia's dad. Like, he's this big, like, mustache, like, the furry eyebrows. You don't really see his eyes, like, kind of intimidating character. Turns out he's such a sweetheart, really, at the end, you know, and you assume like he doesn't have an arm and you're like, and he, he even says like, I lost a sea monster, ate it. And you're like, oh, no, he's doesn't like sea monsters. But he's like, oh, just kidding. I came into the world this way, which I thought was a really interesting twist, you know, because someone who's born without an arm or a leg can also be considered another, you know, or yeah, a kid who's bullied exactly. growing up for Divorced. a totally different reason. Yeah, there's divorce. He's apparently this. divorced. I mean, that's the whole thing. Right. Or, well, or just separated or whatever. The You know, whatever. Well, I mean, Julia even said, do they not? I guess I just assumed they were divorced. But anyways, Julia's even like, yeah, I, I live with my mom, but I come here every summer. So I can never really make friends anywhere because I'm just right. the weirdo kid. So there's also her, a child of divorce, trying to figure out herself and who she fits in with. So. You know, you could kind of apply it to anyone here. It was always like that, that that great moment when I'm blanking on when Luca is like sea monster. Oh my god! Doesn't like it that, like break your heart that scene? I feel oh. like that was the the most like oh kind of moment. Yeah. In the movie. When the Which first is, I, I think, a lot of the reason why gay the label of gay became a thing because that's such a thing is that oh. you don't want to be outed, but you'll out others. But you'll out, yeah. Right. Oh, so I feel like yeah. that, especially to a gay person, they'll cling to that very quickly. Mm. I, I feel that that's part of it. But we all experience that one way or another in various forms, whether it's, you On know, both whatever. sides. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like if you know what you're talking about, about something that everyone's talking about, something that trivial to something as identity, as serious as that. It's right. um, so. it covers a lot of ground with not a lot of <laughs> time. It's a lot. So. But yeah, no, that scene when he's just like, "Yeah, let's show, let's show him who we are," or whatever. And when he says "sea monster," I'm just like, <gasps> "Luca, no!" I think I actually said that out loud the first time I watched it. I was just like, "Luca, no!" Horrible. But then, like. The next, the very next scene, Julia was like, oh, but you're also a sea monster. <laughs> like, I just feel like it happens pretty quickly. And, and then really same thing does. at the end, when like, they're like revealed as sea monsters, the town right away is like, oh, 
all right, sea mo- we're cool sea monsters, no big deal. Like well, very it's all the it's all the big <laughs> papa guy who well, he I like know, they're like uh, no, we're gonna get this sea monster, and he goes like mm, or something. I don't remember <laughs> the exact interaction, but he's like defender. step off. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's like they won. Like he's yeah. like I know who they I are. I see Alberto and Luca. Mm-hmm. Alberto yeah. and Luca, and they are the wieners. He must. He, <laughs> uh, he must be just some crazy ass drunk or something. The whole town scared the shit of him. He's the oh, wife left. They're like, uh. <laughs> all right, fan, fan theories are coming in now. There you go. Yeah. I think he's just like. Go. He's just a guy who's being judged by his look. Like he's a big guy. He's kind of quiet and shy, probably. He has a deep voice, but he loves his daughter. Like when they're about to do the whole triathlon race, he has his little sign and he's like, Go, Julia. It's so cute. And then just a wicked I don't know, pasta. The way he takes in Alberto at the end. Oh, I don't pasta. know. <laughs> wow, pasta. Is that what Daniel said earlier? Mm-hmm. Well, and he ends up adopting. Like, it's crazy. Well, yeah, basically, which I love. And there's there's actually a short they made. Did you guys watch the short? Because when you finish Luca, it's like, it's the next thing that they're like, do you want to watch this? So I did. And it's called Ciao, Alberto. And it takes place, like, right after Luca goes to school. They're, like, sending letters back and forth. And he's like, Mosimo hired me. I'm going to help him on his boat. But, like, Alberto is, like, so incompetent. He, like loses some fish like he's like delivering fish but like breaks people's windows and they're like demanding money back he sets his boat on fire and then i'll it's like and mosimo's clearly kind of upset but he doesn't ever yell at him or say anything mean to alberto he just kind of looks like up he's upset but he never says anything and then alberto is like packs a suitcase and is like gonna leave and mosimo goes after him and he's like where are you going he's like i i'm a horrible employee like Blah, blah, blah. And Mosty's like, where are you going? Where are you going? And then Alberto turns around and he goes, just let me go, dad. And it's like, oh, he called him dad. Yeah. yeah. And then Mosty's like, my dad basically was like, my dad was really mean to me. And like, I don't want to do that to you. And they hug. And you're like, oh, Alberto got a dad. It's cute. Mm-hmm. That is I guess I just totally spoiled like, it for you, but you should watch it. Well, like five minutes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> It's sort of implied in the art and like the credits. It's like hands-on yeah. art and you can kind of see I that. love oh, that. I cool. like stuck around. I watched the whole end credits for all those little arts drawings and stuff yeah, that too. like continues the story for you a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cute. Um, but yeah, no, but there's also the scene in the middle of the movie when after Alberto's like shows Julia that he's a sea monster, Massimo goes, where'd he go? And we're like, we don't know. He like went off and he goes to leave to get him. And she's like, I don't, or they're like, I don't think he wants to be found. He's like, maybe not, but like someone has to go find him. So that was also very sweet. Yeah. I'll just say right now, Massimo is probably my favorite character. Like I love that dad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's gotta be up there or my character, character, Ecole. What's his name again? Uh, Ercole. 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 With the little tiny whiskers. Oh, oh my God. God. That part though. So good. When, like, when they're like fighting with him and, and Julia's trying to have a comeback. Well, you're a, you're a, and Luca goes catfish. And she's like catfish. And everyone's like, huh? And he's like, mm-hmm. they're bottom dwellers. They also have weird little whiskers. <laughs> Sad yeah, little whiskers. Funny. I think he Sad says. little whiskers. Yeah. I started cracking up. I was like, that's actually really funny. This just like, the way they animate that character is yeah. or and the voice acting or the combination of the voice and 
like the way they physicalized the character and animated it, you know, it's just so realistic. And I don't know, it seems like a real person, a real personality. Like, I don't know. I was just really impressed with that character. As annoying and terrible as he is. He's very terrible. I really hate him. <laughs> but it was just brought to life so vividly. I don't know. I yeah. Like well voice acted by whoever that person is. <laughs> that has no picture on IMDb. Saverio Raimondi? Raimondo? Maybe he's... Yeah, Saverio Raimondo? He's an Italian. He's like an Italian actor, I guess. He's barely been in anything, seems like. Other than Maya Rudolph, there were no familiar names to me. Oh no, Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, the dad. He's like a comedian. Oh. He's not like. Yeah, super I mean, you would. Well, you would. Yeah, but I mean. He had like a Jim hot Gaffigan's pocket like, routine that was yeah. really famous. Yeah. He would do the like, oh my gosh, like the voice. Oh well, of the you audience. know, do you know who voiced the Uncle Ugo, like bottom dweller character? We only see in one scene. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Baron. Uh, that yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen yeah, was yes, yes. Uncle mm-hmm. Ugo. Yeah. Which is just like a silly scene, like, <laughs> like he yeah, Uncle Ugo in that one scene. I mean, he's in the post credit scene, so I guess they kind of bring it back for a little bit, but. There are a lot of things in the opening part of this movie that are never really brought up again. They're kind of pointless. Like the whole scene with like, oh, like the crab, we're going to like, they have like a show crab and the mom Uh is talking about what's her face thinks she can do a dolphin impression, blah, blah, blah. Like they're not going to like, you know, that whole thing. Maya Rudolph's dolphin impression is not funny or good. It's terrible. (laughs) Sounds like like she was embarrassed to do it. Supposed to be. Yes. Yes. Like, oh, do God. it. Yeah, I have to really, or they're like, do it again, again, yeah, but more, exactly. again, okay, but more. one more time, Maya. Yeah, this time yeah. just a little bit higher register. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so terrible. I've only well, heard one person in my life do a good dolphin, and that was in high school. It's really mm-hmm. hard. Yeah, I uh, think all you listeners try. Send one. us, send us, <laughs> please, send us your dolphin, please. <laughs> no explanation, no name, just an audio file. Just... <laughs> Senator. I will say I think Dom actually does a pretty decent one. So I can see that. Dom, if you're listening, that. shout out to you because you have a decent one. The probably the best one I've ever heard someone do in my life in real life, I guess. But hey, do you guys know what other Pixar movie has a dolphin impression? There's another one. Oh, Finding Nemo. Uh, okay. That's not the one I was thinking. Toy of. Story. There wait, might, are wait, there wait. dolphins in Finding Nemo? There's no dolphins. No, but there's Nemo. also a joke about dolphin impressions in Finding Nemo. But does someone actually make that. the sound in know. Finding Nemo? The sound? No. I don't know. Anyone? The, the pelicans Pixar? have their joke. Not Toy Story? Oh, it's on like the tip dolphin of my... Dolphin impression. Isn't there a dolphin in Toy Story somewhere? One of them? No. No, like squeaky toy dolphin? No. <laughs> there's, there's a, a shark. Oh, maybe I'm forgetting it. Who is it? It's, it's in uh, Inside Out. Bing Bong. He's like, I'm oh, part Bing Bong. Cat, I'm part elephant <laughs> and I'm part dolphin. <laughs> I think that's a real dolphin oh. sound they use, though, isn't they, it? They did use a real dolphin sound for that, though. But Bing so Bong does really. it. Yeah, but there's, I don't know, there's just parallels between the dolphin. Also, the way they animated him. Like, the way they the, animated like, it, for sure. And her face, yes. It's like basically the way Bing Bong does it. That is very true. 
I yes. Now that you mention that, oh my god, of course. It reminded me of something that I'd seen before. That must be it. Yeah. I mean the way it looked. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go back real quick to Alberto and the fact that his dad abandons him. I mean, they don't ever say it, but the whole Silencio Bruno thing he does is like Bruno's probably his dad, right? We all agree that his dad's no. name was probably Bruno. Maybe. You don't think him? Is that right? Now or that you say where, it, where did you get that from? Maybe, or is, or well, is because Valencia his dad Bruno probably like, was a dick afraid. to him. Like, don't do that a bit. Because there's a scene after when he's explaining the Silencio Bruno thing to Luca. He's like, "Don't do that, Alberto. Don't put that in your mouth. Don't sit like that." Interesting. Like, it's things that like a dad would say to a son who's annoying. Right, but Alberto would be Bruno, not his father. No, no, but he says it's the voice in your head telling you you can't do it. But like to for uh, to Alberto's uh, life experience, that would have been his dad, who was like, "You're annoying me. I don't like you. Don't do that. Don't do that." And his dad finally leaves him. Okay. You guys Very didn't think that? I didn't get what? it. No. But I'm not going to sit here and argue because I don't have like sistema but he doesn't speak but why would he just come up with the name yeah bruno but they all have italian yeah but they all have things like what do they say have italian names though that doesn't mean he wouldn't say bruno all of them have italian names they all have italian last names even though they're sea monsters under the sea silencio though it's something it's something he overheard just like he overheard what are you doing stupido or whatever what do you mm. what did you say? Yeah, actually I like that that theory more. It's it's like it seems like just a saying, like maybe, I don't know. If anyone knows, if anyone picked up on or knows any meaning behind Silencio Bruno that we didn't pick up on email us. Like well, email, email I totally us, think please. that the Bruno was his dad. <laughs> and I look stuff up online and people agree. But what your whole argument about he just heard someone say that to someone else. Okay, I, I buy that. I could get that for sure. But I like the theory that Bruno is his dad. That was mean to him and left him. Yeah, I thought it was just like a random name. He just like a little kid thing. Like it could have been Silencio David or something. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well, the other fun thing about the fact that it's Bruno is who here saw Encanto? Or didn't see it. We're really anyway. doing this sidebar right now. No, did you watch? About did Luca, you watch? Kelly. No, no, no. But no. there's a reason I'm bringing it up. Did you see oh, yeah. Encanto, Daniel? I did see Encanto. I only even because, if you because the song uh, we don't talk about Bruno. About Bruno. Um, the well, isn't and I was like, yeah. I have to watch this now. Like but. we don't talk about Bruno. Yeah, that's actually that's, that's like the best part of that movie, Encanto. By the way, probably. Anyways, it's the best song. I know we're not talking about a condo, but songs eh, kind of was underwhelmed by them. But the Bruno stop talking. <laughs> we, don't about- <laughs> we don't talk about a condo. <laughs> but isn't it funny that uh, Luca and Encanto, like two recent Disney movies, both have like things about someone named Bruno? Yeah, someone. Yes. I don't know what Disney has something against Bruno right now. Well, know. no, some people yeah. said, "Who is the person who works for Disney named Bruno that all the animators don't like?" Yeah, really. 
Silencio. Something. We don't talk about him. Well, then it's like there's like that famous uh, Sasha Baron Cohen movie called Bruno about a gay guy. Sasha Baron Cohen is in this movie. Oh, wow. All about... I didn't even make that connection. No, it's all about Sasha Baron Cohen. We're gonna, I, just know. give me a little credit for what I just came up with. Yeah, no, I don't think that that's real. No. <laughs> it's going to some, some room 237. But, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay, well, anyways, I I like the idea that that's his dad. And the whole time he's like, he's channeling, he's trying to just still get over his trauma from being abandoned by his father. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. It's an interesting interpretation. No, but he—he he said his dad should have left him. That's could have not died the same. Though. Could have died, yeah. No, but could why would he could be kept dead. track? He could be dead. Could be. Well, he said no, it wasn't—it wasn't a one-time thing. I thought it was like a, he comes and goes. Oh, that's so you're saying he left and died. And that's why he never came back. Good. I guess that's possible. Uh, especially for the scenario that he's also. A sea monster. Right. And they're mm. like get hunted on the reg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I don't well, know. It sounds like the whole sad. world is crawling with sea monsters, apparently. And we don't know who they are. And we don't, don't see that many. We just see Luca's family. <laughs> I know, but if what they're if doing it? that in some little village, they're probably doing what it if, everywhere where they like come the, to be humans, right? Yeah. One of the YouTube videos I watched did a really funny edit of like the when the old ladies reveal themselves to be sea monsters at the end and they put it in black and white and then the audio background is like they're living among us we don't know who they are and it's the whole thing from the beginning of the incredibles and i thought it was really funny Hmm. when they're like referencing like the superheroes are living among us okay you guys didn't think it was funny well you gotta see it i thought it was funny (laughs) it's our theory kelly it's our theory. Uh, I think yeah, I'm do ready. You want, do you want me to go? There? <laughs> I don't know. Where's this? Where's this, this one like... actually makes way more sense. Like it does actually fit into the Pixar theory. Okay, you ready? Okay. <laughs> so you know how the whole thing is when the people leave Earth and Wally, and then they come back. They come back to Earth, and then they slowly transform into the monsters from Monsters Inc. Do we all remember that that's a big part of the Pixar theory? <laughs> so, <laughs> lest you forget. So the argument here is that these sea monsters were living underwater and could transform into humans, and that when Earth got polluted and all the people left, that the sea monster people, sea monster people, stayed on Earth, but were just living in the ocean, like far down where there was less pollution. And then when the people in the Axiom came back, the sea monster people were like, what's up? We're still here. And since the people who came back slowly transformed into human or into monsters with the sea monsters, they all just became part of the monster community. But then this is where it gets crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <laughs> So the sea monsters have to be in water, though, to look like monsters. So they're like they were living with the people as they transformed into monsters, blah, blah, blah. But then when it turned into the full on like monster world, the sea monsters couldn't live around them unless they were underwater because they just straight up looked like humans. And the monsters were clearly terrified as humans. So they Uh, had to to vanish and or relocate 
these sea monsters to another place. So they, I know it's crazy, but it's still what fun. the fuck they is relo- going on? They relocate <laughs> the monsters, the sea monsters, back in time because remember the theory of Monsters Inc. and Boo is that the the doors they go through is actually them going like back in time to the 1950s, which is when Luca takes place. So the monsters get relocated back to the 1950s in this Italian village. But then it's like, wait, so the monsters (laughs) are creating this continuous loop. Who who else? (laughs) But wait, I'm not done. But who else created a continuous loop? Thank you so much. This is my fault. I should not have asked. (laughs) But wait, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Who else created a continuous loop forever and ever? Boo, who's also the old lady witch from Brave because she never wanted Sully's memory to die because she never wanted Sully to face the ultimate death that we see in Coco. Yo, this shit is whack, bro. Luca Luca literally proves the Pixar theory. Luca literally proves the Pixar theory that Boo is the old lady witch from Brave. Do I really believe this? No, but it's still fun. Okay, there you go. Pixar theory. There you go. It's so the wait. one that that's, it had the most stuff to talk about for the Pixar theory than the last few films, which are like large, large stretches to try to say they're in the Pixar theory. But anyway, this one is not a stretch, though. Yeah, small stretch for this. One. <laughs> 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 okay. Fun facts. Yeah, I was about to say, let's go into some more fun facts. All right. So the artist wanted Julia <clears throat> to have a distinct look since she was kind of part of the other community. So they made a lot of her stuff triangular and none of the other uh, humans or characters had such angular shapes. Uh, Luca, as sea monster, he had 3,436 scales. How did, I hope that fits into the fan theories. Uh, yeah. Most... <laughs> Most of the dialogue was recorded in their closets because it was pandemic. Oh, I was about, I was going to say that earlier when we were talking about the animation that like, well, soul had to be finished during COVID, but this was this one made like all over COVID. So I was kind of wondering like how much of an effect did that have on the overall animation? Sorry. Well, I'm assuming everything else kind of started before and then this was, but anyway, so that's probably why the, uh, The dolphin was weird. Um, so uh, the director was inspired supposedly by Federico Fellini films, such as either, I don't know if it's Eight and a Half or we say Ocho de Media, and uh, E Vitellioni. So Fellini, uh, Italian filmmaker. Um, the sea monsters were inspired by actual statues and mosaics they found in Italy. I was wondering. Um, it seemed that way. Yeah, because the, there it's a very specific kind of black lagoon look. That's kind of like the gargoyle kind of look. Um, the first uh, sea monsters were depicted on a map during the Renaissance called the Carta Marina in 1539. That's like that style when it started of the sea monster look. Um, they referenced mystique from X-Men for the, the transformation processes. So they oh, went there. Oh, that's cool. Um, 
the movement of the sea monsters was inspired by Galapagos iguanas, which are very rare and they move a very specific way and they eat um, algae that grows in the ocean and they're the only reptile that does that. Uh, so I'm assuming they also took a trip to the Galapagos at some point. Um, all the kids' voices in the background scenes were all kids from uh, Italian villages they visited. Uh, Luca's mouth uh, has 221 controls and Alberto's has 223 to support their rounded expressions. Uh, we talked about Stand By Me. Um, so Vespa didn't come on board until after they made the film oh, to help wow. promote and all that, which I think they were really crossing their fingers on that one. Okay. Like, but I was wondering. The, the red one that the, the catfish guy rides is a Piaggio, which is a different company. So I think they were kind of in case Vespa was like, this isn't okay. They could change everything quick. Hedging their bets, as it were. No. Um, so originally there was going to be a third best friend uh, with Luca and Alberto, but they moved that character over to be a goon for Ercoli. So obviously they had they hadn't really stuck to this gay theme originally. I don't know. So I don't know. Um, so you guys were kind of anti this earlier, and now that you talked about it, you kind of changed my mind too. But they were wanting every frame to look like a painting, so they saturated the color a lot more than they've done in the past. Uh, but now that we kind of talked about it, it makes the the humanoid characters kind of stand out more, especially in Italy, in the village, because the village looks so great with the architecture and the colors and so real. But then, like you said, there's, you know, Charlie Brown's walking through. So, you know, I think they they missed a little bit there. Um Another thing that the director said was it's a love letter to the summer of our youth. This is about the friendships that change us. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you got your Pixar ball. Where was it? I don't know. Oh, during the race, during the race, you can see it. Like There's like an aerial shot and you can On see the it. Rooftop. Yeah. Um, Disney's 20,000 leagues under the sea is one of the cinema posters when they go by it in the town. Uh Um, The train number, not the ticket, the train number is 94608, which is the zip code of Pixar's home in Emeryville. And then where is there a 113? Wasn't that the train ticket? That's There you go. All right. You listen to the clue. Nice. And job. Uh, those are your fun facts. Keep having fun. Oh, where was the Pizza Planet truck? <gasps> it was um, not a truck. It was not a truck. It was it a was Piaggio. A, uh, Jackson. <laughs> yeah. It was. Maybe a Vespa. Uh, I don't know. Pizza Planet yes. Vespa. That's what we got this time. You know how always they have some maybe kind of a reference to the next movie? Was there anything? Yeah. I. I didn't look too hard, but in all the videos I watched, someone said in Julia's room, there's a picture of a cat that maybe could look like the panda in turning red. So like, that's the one little thing. 
Hmm. Um, other little Easter eggs. There's a Donald Duck in her room. Apparently, Donald Duck is super popular in Italy, way more than Mickey Mouse. Italians love Donald Duck. Um, there's also a Pinocchio little thing, figurine, and there's also that Very whole Italian. like reference to Pinocchio during one of Luca's fantasies. Um, in addition to 20,000 Leaves Under the Sea, all the movie posters you see are actual Italian cinema movies from the 1950s. Um, the one that Luca's parents walk by and they're like, Uncle Ugo, that one's made up, um, but it's clearly a reference to like Creature from the Black Lagoon and like the like B movies from the 1950s. So, and then in the credits, there's like a little sketch of um, Luca and Julia watching the moon landing, which happened in 1969. So a lot like all the nerds online are like trying to figure out like exactly when did this movie take place? So, you know, you could argue that those like oldish 1950s. Oh, well, there's a scene where you see like an old lady watching a movie on TV, which is a real movie for yeah, a, a real that. Italian uh-huh. movie from like 1958. And then the moon landing is 1969. And so she's watching it on her TV then that movie must have been out for like, I would say like five or six ish years. So I would say yeah, this movie takes place TV, in like, it would have had to have been, you know, an older movie at the time. Right. So I would say this movie takes place in night between 1965 and 1969. That's just my own conclusion there. All right, guys, I think it's time to wrap this thing up. So, uh, three minute final thoughts and letter grades. Let's not start with Jimmy this time. Let's start with Byron because why not? Oh my God. I'm so nervous. Okay. Um, you know, honestly, I think the beginning of this movie is very conflated. Um, I think they spent a little bit too little bit too much time on the island and setting up the relationship between the two characters. And then once they finally got into the square, I was like, okay, here's the movie. But it took a little too long to get there. So structurally, I don't think it was Pixar's best. I talked a little bit earlier about how the animation just wasn't quite there for me. Um, I know you all kind of disagree, but I didn't, I don't know. I think that the overall message of the story is very commendable and awesome, but I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to really sit down and be like, let's watch Luca anytime soon. So I'm going to give this movie a C plus, uh, it's good, but it's not great for me. All right, fair. Let's go to Daniel next. Switching it up. Okay, maybe switch over. Well, I'm I'm afraid I'm going to have to disagree with Byron on a few points here. Um, I really like the animation style. Again, it wasn't like the most spectacular blow away blow you away animation, but it was very. It it hit it hit the uh, it hit the marks it needed to, for like just the vibe and the atmosphere, um, and the use of the sound and music, which we didn't actually talk very much, and the use of like the Italian pop music and stuff. I thought that was really cool, and just yeah. creating a vibe and stuff. And I actually probably liked the first two thirds or so of this movie a lot more than the last part. I think just like the whole like you were just like you know hanging out at the Italian seashore eating pasta and stuff and like building bikes on an island. And, and, and that stuff is great. I was there once you got to the third act for the movie and you had to wrap up the plot. It was like, okay, you know, I mean, it was kind of predictable stuff about how you like <coughs> going to get revealed that there's sea monsters 
you know, like Eric Ole is like a pretty typical movie bully. I thought that you kind of knew what was going to happen to him and you knew some of the stuff. I mean, the characters were, were really nice and you like spending time with them, but some of it was then the, the third act was like, you kind of lost me a little bit compared to like, just like the romantic vibiness of the, of the first two thirds. Um, and I thought it was pretty good uh, with all of the relationships and, and all that stuff we talked about. Um, which I didn't have anything else to add to, but I think it's, and and the messages and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's for the most part, fun and nice. And I'm going to give it a, is there stuff? I'm going to give it a B. I'm going to give it a B. I think it's nice. A B. All right. Mm-hmm. A B. <laughs> uh, let's uh, hear from Jacob next. Uh, yeah. Um, it tells us it tells a story with a lot of jabs and not a lot of heavy hits, in my opinion. They're trying to, I feel like, touch on too many subjects, or at least try to reference too many things that are applicable. Um, the village is cool. Some of the characters are cool. Nothing was like super groundbreaking to me. Um, they pulled a lot from other movies like we talked about before. So it's not the most unique like Pixar can kind of throw out there. And um, I'd give it a C. Just, you know, I would give it lower, but there's a lot of adversity they went through with the pandemic to put this together. So I feel like with that into account, they get a solid a C. It would go probably C minus D plus if it weren't for that. Okay. Cynthia. Hmm. Well, I'm always amazed (laughs) at just um, the creative impulse of Pixar. I mean, let's make a movie about sea monsters that become humans is just in and of itself. I've never seen a story like that, you know, very, very creative. And then they took kind of what is somewhat of a simple story and did add important themes to it. Um, not only about acceptance, uh, but also courage, uh, innovation, um, you know, a strong female character, um, education and curiosity about the world and understanding the world. Uh, all, all of that was, was creative. However, the antagonist, whatever that guy's name is, Jimmy with the little fake. Hercule? Yeah. Boring. (laughs) What? You know, he's an arrogant, pompous ass. Um, Yeah. You know, but he he doesn't have any real motive to be dangerous to them. I never felt threatened ever in the movie. Like, there just wasn't any tension. And I have felt that at other times in Pixar films where, oh, God, you know, this is getting hairy now. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of. Uh, sort of action scenes, particularly that were uh, had me on the edge of the seat. So I'm afraid this is a little mediocre to, to my mind. There was some beautiful animation, and I think some of the messages were um, were really great to tackle in an animated film. I definitely see why children are so enamored with it. I guess it did get pretty all overall pretty good reviews like Rotten Tomatoes and those kind of things that you can read on on the internet. But I'm gonna I'm sticking I'm I'm in the, I'm in the C plus range myself. 
Uh, it's not, it's, it's, so it's average. Actually, I'm going to make it a C because it's kind of mediocre. It's not bad. It's not, you know, thrilling. But um, I, I have to say, Byron, I'll watch it again. I would watch it again. You know why? Mainly because we've talked about it so much. You, yeah. go back and, you yeah. know, really to go back and watch the movie now with all of your inputs and insights is uh, would be great. Just, just yeah. We've lived the movie. We, you know, you own something when you take it in, analyze it, and then have to verbalize your opinions. Uh, we've asked questions of each other, Kelly. I don't know what the hell the theory is, but you know, <laughs> even that sort of got garnered my curiosity. Nonetheless, I, I would watch Luke again, um, but it's not on my top list for for Pixar. C, I'll give it a C. All right, Jimmy, you get to go last this time. Oh, my last. Okay, yeah. Um... I would say well, I, I'm last. I'm always last, but you're second always to last. last. Best last, last of the non-host. <laughs> right. I um, I'm kind of torn on where I end up on my letter grade. Um, but I think it's gonna end up at a. I think it's a B minus. I'm like on the B minus C plus fence. Um, I do think it is sort of mediocre. Like my mom was saying. I I mean, it just it doesn't really like Jacob was saying, hit any really heavy punches except for Sea Monster, like Byron was talking about. That's a pretty heavy punch. But the other semi-heavy punch, and the reason I'm giving it B-, minus, not C+, plus, is because just of the way it depicts that, ch- that very particular stage of childhood and the way that it represents like having a best friend, because I had a best friend around that age, my friend Brigham probably like fourth grade, well, third through fifth. And and we we went on to be friends longer, but just, uh, it was very, I don't know. It just seemed to capture that uh, state of being, I don't know, state of mind, whatever, so well. And like, um, you know, their dream of building the Vespa and all that. And, And like, he draws him a picture and Luca's like, that's the best drawing I've ever seen and that's partly probably because he's hardly seen any drawings ever because he's like a, a monster but it's also like just that enthusiasm for one another and I can't say their relationship was necessarily the same as me and my best friend but still that aspect of it it just really warms my heart and every time I watch well I've only seen it like tw- twice but each time I've watched it the scenes of them being friends and being adventurous and, and even with the girl who I'm forgetting her name too but even her energy and input into the mix reminds me of maybe my sister or other friends we'd hang out with and and just the way they bounce off one another the innocence and the purity of it i mean it's just something about the movie i truly like a lot uh and then the animation is so pleasing on the eye and for some reason everyone hates ircole and he's so hateable but i don't know like i think different animators animate different characters right or at least they used to in the old disney days like you know so and so was the animator for you know whoever uh, simba whatever i just think the person who did ircole really knocked out of the park and capturing this very terrible guy and like I don't know, just like the mannerisms he does with his hands and the way they captured the gaps in his teeth and his little wispy mustache. And I don't know, I just part something impressive about that to me, the way they pulled that off. Um, so anyway, there's all my things that I like about it. I think you guys already said most of the negative stuff. Oh, I, I didn't really say the beginning. It's just not for me. When I rewatched it, 
I wanted to fast forward. I'm like, let's get to the town square, like Byron said. Um, so I guess that goes against Daniel a bit. But yeah, I don't want to spend that long under the water. I don't even want to spend that long on the island. Although that has some of the other stuff I was talking about, the friendship stuff. But that's the weakest part of their friendship moment. I think when he's teaching him how to walk and whatnot, that, that has a very like modern Disney tone to it. Like Disney Channel almost tone that I don't care for it's the middle to the later part of the movie that i really enjoy so much so there's my review uh, i'm gonna end with a b minus yeah yeah i uh the first time i watched this which was like i would say like a month after it came out on disney plus we finally like found the time to sit and watch it and i enjoyed it um but i was definitely kind of like like i said earlier like okay that's a kid's movie i just watched a kid's movie but i still enjoyed it um, I didn't cry at all. For those of you that don't know, I'm a crier. I cry at like the dumbest things in movies. It's like, and like, come on, Pixar. Like I'll cry at like a lot of Pixar movies. I didn't cry, which is fine. But like, I just feel like that's kind of a sign that like, I didn't feel connected to it or like particularly moved by it, but that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. I was also very distracted by the like gay discussion we talked about the first time we watched it too, maybe. Um, but like having thought about it after I watched it and then going into watching it again, I was like, well, they're not gay. They're not gay, but there is that argument there and all that. Um, so I do enjoy this movie. I totally agree with Byron that I'm like bored by the beginning. I feel like they weren't really sure how to start it or like it seemed like they must have been through a lot of different rewrites of like, how are we going to start this film? Because like I said, they like introduced the parents and then this uncle and these other things that we never go back to. And then for a movie about sea monsters, this movie doesn't take place under the sea. It <laughs> takes place in this Italian town, which is better, obviously, like because the Italian town parts are the best parts of the movie but yeah it takes a little too long to get going i love um julia i love her character she's the one who reminds me the most of the peanuts and it's interesting the fun facts you shared jake about the triangular stuff because you can mm -hmm. see that in her hair and her like orange curls make me think of peppermint patty mm -hmm. um but i you know what there is something so endearing about the fact it is a very kiddish movie um, that's not super dumb though. Like, I feel like a lot of actual kid movies have a lot of stupid things that I don't find funny. I mean, a lot of people find that stuff funny, but I don't, um, like SpongeBob type humor stuff. I'm not into that. Um, <laughs> but I, I do, I do. I, I keep repeating myself. I enjoyed this movie. I love the animation of the Italian village. Don't, you know, it's not as great like animation as in past Pixar movies, but I do think it's appropriate for the time period of this film and what they were trying, the story they were trying to tell love Mossimo, the dad, like I said, like, you know, if I'm going to cry about anything about this movie, it's how much I love that dad character and how much I love that he loves his daughter and wants to take in this, you know, foster kid basically, which I think is really sweet. Um, I would watch this again more than a, some other Pixar movies, but it's sort of like a background movie. Like, oh, I'm cooking dinner. I'll put this on. Not like I want to sit and actually watch it again necessarily, even though I would watch it again. But you know what I'm trying to say? It's like, oh, what am I going to put on? I'm going to go to bed. Luca, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I would recommend people watch it. Is it, one, is it one of Pixar's best? No, but it's definitely not their worst. And uh Yeah. I like the transgender argument and just accepting people 
argument and, and little scene at the end, like we said with the grandma. So I will give this movie also a B minus. I think I'm with Jimmy there. I'll give it a B minus. So there you go. Uh, I feel like we're at a C plus average here with this movie. So Luca, most recent Pixar movie until today. Y'all can check out Turning Red. It's, uh, I believe, in theaters and on Disney Plus. So our homework and our listeners homework is to watch Turning Red, the latest and newest Pixar movie. We're going to get to review like a brand new movie, guys. That's going to be new for us and exciting. I'm actually really excited to talk about a movie with like very few like there's not going to be a lot of YouTube videos for me to watch on this one. <laughs> that's kind of going to be a fun thing there um, yeah. so yeah check out Turning Red send us an email jkentertainment247 at gmail.com follow us on Facebook and Instagram like and subscribe and have a wonderful uh weekend watching a brand new Pixar movie. There's a brand new Pixar movie we get to watch and talk about. I'm very excited. Thanks for listening. We'll see y'all next time. Friday Flicks Podcast is a JK Entertainment production. All thoughts and opinions by the participants are theirs and theirs alone. Original theme music by Jimmy Anthony. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Friday Flicks Podcast for updates about future episodes. And please email us at jkentertainment247 at gmail.com to contact us and let us know what you think. I'm your host, Kelly Anthony. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Oh, Huey. Hugh. Oh, no, sleepy puppy. Oh, Hughie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hugo. You're going I've with already... Hugo, not Ugo? Because we got an Ugo in this film. Yeah. We'll see oh. what happens. I just, I realized <laughs> after I've called them all day, I've been like, fuck. It means go. They hear go. Oh. Like, go away. Hugo. So I have to, like, per- change how I say it. But I still like Hugo. Yeah. Yeah, just go with Call the name. He'll learn his name. His pet name could be Victor. Victor. Oh, uh, I, I get or, it. Or weaving. <laughs> weaving. Weaving. Yeah. Right. This will All be right. for an audience. This will be for an audience of one, which is Kelly when she's editing this. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, this you is going at the end. This. this is going oh, okay. at the end. That's there's right, that's sometimes right. there's some end credits you gotta stick around and listen to for our <laughs> I mean this is gonna go at the end, so it's not like my our listeners are going to hear me say this to wait to the end, but you know, anyways. Okay. <laughs>